Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning again, Canvas Church. How are you doing today? Come on. So good to see all of you here. All of the uh, middle school, you are dismissed to go to your class. If you haven't left yet, we got an incredible class uh, for you. Uh, the rest of us, grab our Bibles. Come on, whether it's the digital one, whether it's a paper one, let's grab our Bibles. Come on, if you got your Bible, whether it's digital, whether it's paper, just lift it up in the air, wave it around like you just do care. Come on, somebody. All right. Love it. We got our Bibles. Uh, we also provide it for you on the, on the screens here. And I thought about being a horrible pastor one time and just putting totally opposite stuff up there to see if anybody would catch it, just to see who's bringing their own Bible, being like, wait a second, that's wrong. But uh, we encourage you to bring your Bible because this screen uh, will not follow you wherever you go, but you can have your Bible in your pocket everywhere you go. If you download the app um, or just get, this, is, this isn't quite a pocket-sized one, but uh, get yourself a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have some out at the Info Center because we want to make sure that you are reading your Bible. Are you with me this morning? Come on, turn in your Bibles then this morning to an Old Testament passage that we've been in for about the last eight, nine weeks uh, we've been in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we've been learning some great principles about dreaming again as a church from a, a woman simply known as the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. And as we've been diving into this idea of dreaming again, man, so many great things are happening, man. I'm hearing testimony after testimony. God's doing stuff. People are dreaming again. What do we mean by dream again? Uh, we're not just talking about that you would have some random dream and say, okay, that's what I'm going after. We're talking about pressing into God, getting into the word of God, learning about God. And as you do that, God begins to speak to you the plans that he has for your life. And as he does that, that's the dream we're talking about. We want you to go after the plans of God, the thing that God has for your life. And, uh, you know, week after week, I've been sharing with you about how amazing this series is and what God's doing. And, um, you know, I'm getting testimonies. But you might be sitting here this morning. I just want to encourage you for a moment. You might be sitting here this morning thinking to yourself, Pastor, I hear you week after week. And you're like, man, this series has been great. And you're talking about how you're getting this testimony and that testimony. But, Pastor, I feel like hell. Anybody out there feel like hell? You don't have to raise your hand. Some, some people are honest, like, yeah, I do. And you're, you're starting to get a little irritated at your pastor, right? Because you're like, you keep talking about how awesome it is, but I'm going through this series, and honestly, I've been experiencing resistance. I've been experiencing this. Man, things don't seem to be going well. Like, what's going on? Here's what's going on, okay? Uh, we are predominantly a spirit being, all right? We're not a flesh being. We're a spirit being. And when we make conscious effort to go after the things of God and the plans of God and begin to dream again, you're going to experience resistance, are you with me? It's going to happen. It can happen in a very natural way. It can happen in a very spiritual way. But you might be sitting here like, man, I know we've been in this thing. And I just don't feel. Hold on, all right? Don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep going after it. Because I'm telling you right now, if you don't give up, it continues to get better and better and better and better. Are you with me? I'm going to read a verse to you in just a moment. Before I do that, I came across this quote that kind of speaks to that. And it said, it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it says, do not be pushed by your problems be led by your dreams. Do not be pushed by your problems. Be led by your dreams. Let me put it this way. Hey, guys, don't be pushed around by, by, by the setbacks. Don't be pushed around by uh, the, you know, the circumstances and situations that come into your life. Be led by what God is speaking to you. Be led by the God dream. Uh, the writer of Philippians puts it this way in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. This is the God dream. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus 
on this one thing. How many of you guys want to know what the one thing is? Right? Come on, how many know when the Bible says, hey, do this one thing, you should probably read on and see what the one thing is? Right? Wouldn't that be the worst spot to put a period and say, okay, everybody, see you later? Right? Now, we want to know what the one thing is. He says, hey, I'm doing this one thing. I'm not there yet, but this is the one thing I'm doing. I'm forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm forgetting the past. What is he saying? I'm forgetting the problems, the circumstances, the cares, the anxiety, the weight, the worries. I'm leaving all that stuff behind me, and I'm going to keep focusing on Jesus and the word and the promise that he has for my life. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to look back at those things. I'm going to keep moving forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Isn't that a great verse? And so I want to encourage you this morning. You might be sitting here saying, man, Pastor, I don't know. I feel like hell. You're talking about dreaming again, and everything's good, and we're growing as a church, and that's awesome. This is what I'm feeling. Hey, hold on, all right? Keep pressing in. Keep pursuing. Keep going after Christ. Forget the problems, the circumstances, and the worries, and just keep leaning into him. Are you with me this morning, church? Second Kings chapter 4. And so we've been learning some things about dreaming again, going after the God dream. And uh, if you've missed any of this series, that's okay. Each message stands alone. But if you want to catch up, uh, you can go and download our app by simply texting the word app to 858-943-2221. Great way to stay connected with the messages from week to week. If you're not at church that Sunday, man, you can catch it on the podcast. And then you can continue to take notes right there in your app. And we've been learning a lot from this woman. So let's learn again today out of the word of God, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, one day Elisha went to Shunem. Who's Elisha? He's the prophet, the man of God that gets a message from God, delivers it to the people. Also, symbolically, he carries the presence of God on his life. And it says a prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make a small up, uh, room upstairs and let's put a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. One day, he came there and stopped and, and went to the room upstairs to lie down. He ordered his attendant, Gehazi, called a Shunammite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. And then he said to Gehazi, say to her, look, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or, or to the commander of the army? And she answered, I'm living among my own people. In other words, she just says, I'm good, I'm fine, I don't need anything, verse 14. And so he asked, then what should be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Why is this important? It's important because we see right here in the story there is something she wanted, something she longed for, and something she doesn't have, and that is a son. Why would she at this season of her life long for a son? It's because in this time, if you didn't have a son, uh, that meant you didn't have anyone to carry on the family business or the family lineage, and you didn't have anyone to protect you as a woman. And so this was something that was dear to her. And so Gehazi notices, A, she doesn't have a son. B, her husband's old, meaning she ain't going to have a son. Are you with me? So this is something that's dear to her, something she would want. And Gehazi notices it, verse 15, call her. Elisha said, because so Gehazi called her and she stood in the doorway. And Elisha said, at this time next year, you will have a son in your arms. Then she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not deceive your servant. So here as we continue on in the story, we actually see how, how, how near and dear to her this was. This is something that, yes, I've wanted that. Yes, I've longed for that dream. I've longed to go after that thing. But guess what? I've chalked it up to experience. It's never going to happen. Don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. Here's something I want you to notice about this woman, and it's something we've been highlighting throughout this series. 
Although she did not have the dreams she longed for, although she did not have the things she desired, she never stopped pursuing the presence of God. And I want you to know something today, that even though you don't see the end yet, even though you don't see the promise yet, even though you're not holding it in your arms yet, there's one thing you gotta continue to do, and that is press in to the presence of God. That is to continue to go to the one that gives the dreams. And that is what the writer of Philippians that I read earlier said. He said, I'm forgetting those things. I'm going to continue to press on. I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to continue to go after the thing that Christ Jesus has for me. And she does that. And because of that now, here she is, presented with the opportunity. Verse 17, the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that same time the following year as Elisha had promised her. Last week, we got into this next part, and I heard some, <gasps> in the audience. Didn't read the rest of the story. The Bible says, and the child grew. The child is some 12, 13, 14 years old now. And one day, went out to his father and the harvesters. And suddenly, he complained about it to his father. He said, my head, my head. And his father told his servant, carry him to his mother. And so he picked him up and took him to his mother. And the child sat on her lap, the mom's lap, until noon and then, and then died. The dream was with her, and now the dream's gone. Then, verse 22, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut him in and left. We learned last week, what do you do in this moment where the promise has now materialized only to see the promise now taken away again? She went back to the place where the promise originated. What do we need to do when we find ourselves in those moments where, where the promise was there and we're walking in the fulfillment and the possession of it, now it seems to be gone. What do we do? We need to go back to the place where the promise originated. Because one of two things is gonna happen in that place where the promise originated. Either there's gonna be a resurrection or there's gonna be a new dream birth. There's either gonna be a resurrection or there's gonna be a new dream birth. And so she comes to her senses and she takes the child up and leaves and shuts the door, verse 22, she summoned her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can hurry to the man of God and then come back. But, but he said, why are you going today? It is neither the new moon or the Sabbath. In other words, it's, never, it's not one of the times of celebration. It's not one of the times of festival when you would normally go to the, to the man of God. Why are you going? He doesn't quite get it. And rather than dialoguing with her husband, look at what she says. She, she replied, everything is all right. Is everything all right? No, I want you to highlight this to know. This is, this is going to come home today. But yet she replies, everything is all, all right. Everything's all right. Verse 24. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, hurry, don't slow the pace. Don't be delayed for me unless I tell you. So she set out and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to his attendant, Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite woman. Run to meet her and ask, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? And she answered, everything is, come on, everything is, is everything all right? No. But her response, everything's all right. Verse 27, and when she came up, to the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away, but the man of God said, hold on, leave her alone. She is in severe anguish, and the Lord has hidden it from me. He hasn't told me. And then 
she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, do not deceive me? And so Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your mantle under your belt. Take my staff with you and go. If you meet anyone, don't stop, don't greet him. And if a man greets you, don't be delayed and don't answer him. Then place my staff on the boy's face. But the boy's mother said, huh It's my interpretation. The boy's mother said, no, I don't think so. As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he got up, and he followed her. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Uh, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would help us overcome another obstacle. You would help us see these roadblocks that get in our way from us achieving the things that you want us to achieve, of laying hold of that for which you, Christ Jesus, have laid hold of us. God, I pray that you would help us overcome the idea of delay today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If anyone knows me very well, or maybe you don't know me that well, but you've ever been in a car with me before, uh, you know something very specific about me. If you've ever been in a car, or maybe you were in the car behind me watching me drive thinking, that's my pastor. Um, I, I enjoy driving. I like to drive. Driving's good. And uh, I actually enjoy the experience of driving. I just don't enjoy the fact that there are other cars on the road with me. Come on, somebody. Now, before you start judging your pastor, let's be honest, you don't like it either, right? Like, I love driving the freeway, and because and, and here's the thing, when I get in a car, I don't typically, if I'm going to go just for like a nice ride, I'm going to jump on my motorcycle, and I'm just going to cruise, right? I'm just going to go about 45, and I'm just going to enjoy that, and that's fun. If I get in a car, I'm not doing it for enjoyment, I'm doing it for a purpose, even though I enjoy the driving process. When I get in a car, I have a thought to myself, and my thought is this, I'm going to go from point A to point B, and after point B, maybe point C, point D, point E, eventually back to point A, right? Like, I have, I have a process in mind, and, and here's something I've discovered, that God has put other people on the road to annoy me and to bring delay in my life. Because I am absolutely confident that I could get from point A to point B a lot quicker if there was nobody else on the road. Come on, somebody. I don't know what it is. I don't know what gets into people. I mean, this thought boggles my mind. You could be on the freeway at 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. It don't matter. And there is going to be traffic on the freeway. And if it is like 11 a.m., I'm like, don't you people work? Right? Like, don't you have jobs? How are you paying for the car you're driving right now? I know you all don't you know, work for Uber and Lyft. Come on, somebody. Like, there's no way. How is there that many people on the road at 11 a.m. that are causing congestion and delay to my journey? I know you're feeling me right now. It could be 11 p.m. And I'm like, what in the world? Do you people not sleep? I mean, what do you do for work? Go to bed, Right? But no, it's honestly, it's, it's as if God knows that I have an issue with patience. Come on, somebody. And it, it, the minute I get on the road, he's like, all right, send them. <laughs> and then sometimes I feel blocked in like they're intentionally doing it. Is anybody with me? Do you feel my pain? Like, but if I'm in my lane, that is my lane. Right? 
Get out of my lane. If you see me coming up behind you, you either step on the gas or move over. It doesn't matter if I'm in the slow lane, the fast lane, or the lane. It don't matter. This is my lane, right? And there's delay. I don't like delay. I can't say. And here's the thing I've come to realize is that that same process of driving seems to be the same process that happens in our life when we are going after the things of God. That we are pursuing the things of God. And we're going after the things of God. And listen to me, it's very seldom that it's unforeseen, you know, freak circumstances that hinder us in pursuing the things of God. Just like on the road. I mean, it's, it's very seldom that all of a sudden there's, you know, you know, there's a giant buffalo in the road. Are you with me? Why buffalo? Because that would be weird and freaking, un, you know, unusual. It's not like we're, we're, we're going slow. Matter of fact, nothing, I, I'm just sharing my heart with you right now, okay? Nothing bothers me more than I'm, I'm just going slow in traffic. I'm like, what in the world? And then you get up to a certain place and it just opens up. But yet there's nothing happening there. Right? You're like, why? Right? Now here's what happens. People cause the delays. Are you with me? People cause the delays. And I've come to realize this. It's the same thing in our, in our pursuit of God. It's our same thing in our spiritual journey. We're dreaming again and going after the things of God. Yeah, and then there's people. And my, my, my old pastor used to say this. He used to say, church would be great if it wasn't for the people. I quoted that, by the way. I didn't say that, All right? He also used to say this. He used to say, hey, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there. You'll just mess it up. Right? right? Seems like in the spiritual journey, delay happens. But listen to me. Uh, delay typically happens because of the other people that are in the journey with you. Now, I know some of you are sitting there like, I, I don't buy it. I'm thinking about it. Now, some of you are actually buying it, and you're like, yep, this person, this person, this person. You're jotting down notes. Yep, that person. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Some of you are sitting there right now like, I can't think of anybody in my life. That's causing delay. And then my statement would be to you, you're the one probably in your life causing the delay. You, 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 now, you realize, how many of you guys have large families? Anybody have large families? You know, aunts, uncles, cousins, grand, right? You, have, you know, you came from somewhere, people. Raise your hand. Like, come on, you have them, right? Now, this is true in every family. Every family has that one uncle or that one aunt that is just out there. Right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. You go, yeah, I know that aunt and the uncle. Okay? Now, no, leave your hand raised. Come on, you have the aunt and the uncle. Now, look around. See the people that don't have their hand raised? They're probably the aunt or the uncle. Are you with me? Because every family has them. Every family has them, right? And you're like, I don't have one. And everybody in your family is like, yeah, you the one, right? That same thing happens in our spirit. If, if you're thinking to yourself right now that, no, man, I don't have, and there's, there's some delays, but it's not caused by any other people. Maybe you're the people in your life that's causing the delay in your journey, in your journey. Because delays are caused by people. To dream again and see the dreams come to pass, we must overcome delay. And when you think, this is, look at your notes if you're doing the app. When you think about delays in your life, it is seldom caused by outside unforeseen circumstances. The majority of delays we experience in our life are caused by people. Circumstances seldom happen on their own. They are people-caused. Are you with me this morning? They're caused by, by people. Now listen to this. I want you to catch this. Because if you don't catch this, you'll begin to think that people are evil. But remember, you is one. 
Catch this. It is not so much what people do to us, but rather the effect they had on us. Surrounding yourself with the right people is crucial. Understand that not everyone is into your dream. Understand that not everyone is into the fact that you are pursuing Jesus. Understand that not everyone is into the fact that you're trying to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of you. There will be people in our journey that will cause delay if you allow them to. Are you with me? If, if you allow them to, how crucial are relationships in our life? Listen to some verses, Proverbs 27, 17. Listen to this one. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So the, 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 the word picture there is as iron sharpens iron. The only way you can get iron sharper is by making contact with iron. And if you study that out, in actuality, the only way that iron becomes sharper is that as it rubs against an, a, a surface harder than itself. That's why when you use a knife and you're cutting vegetables, tomatoes and stuff like that, the knife eventually becomes dull because it's going against something softer than itself. The only way a metal becomes sharper is as it makes contact with something harder than itself. So if we take this imagery here in Proverbs, what is it saying? It's saying this, hey, you need to surround yourself. If you wanna become sharper, you need to surround yourself with some people that are a bit sharper than you. And I don't mean mentally, although that helps too. I mean spiritually. That's why there's such a great value in church, community. That's why there's such great value in showing up on a Sunday and worshiping together, having communion with one another. That's why there's such a great value in becoming a part of a small group. That's why there's great value. That small group is awesome place, but if you wanna get even sharper, join a ministry team. Because you guys will be like in the heat of the moment and you will rub each other sometimes the wrong way. Right? Like you'll be setting up for Sunday morning service wishing there wasn't a Sunday morning service. I can't believe they would talk to me that way. Tell me to plug this in and do that. What do you mean? I've been loading this trailer for a year. You come by and tell me how to load a trailer. I'll tell you how to load a trailer. Right? You want to become sharp? I'm just being honest right now. Join a ministry team. Right? But you know, the opposite of this verse is true too. That friends and relationships can dull you. Are you with me this morning? They can slow you down. How important is relationship? Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Some of you thought this was just a good idea or some old wise fable or something. Like, listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Having the wrong people around you will slow you down. Having people around you that can't help you process the dream, having people around you that aren't propelling you towards Jesus Christ and toward the things of God, it can cause delay in your life. This woman, this Shunammite woman who's taught us so much about dreaming again and going after the things of God, here she is again in her journey, literally modeling and teaching us what we need to do in order to overcome delay. And the thing we need to do to overcome delay is make sure we're not sharing our stuff with the wrong people. Are you with me this morning? Making sure that, that we understand that it is often people that cause the delay in our life. If we share the stuff with the wrong people, there is another great passage on dreams in Genesis about a guy named Joseph. Joseph, the, 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 the man with a coat of many colors that his dad gave him. Ever heard the story before? 
Maybe you know it more as Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Same story, sort of. All right. Joseph has these dreams, right? And, 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 and he's like, I'm going to share my dream with my brothers. Bad move. But here's the great thing, even if you don't know the story, you got to go read it. Even in the process of his brothers creating a delay, God used that because it's not so much what people do to you as much as you handle what people do to you. And in that process, Joseph learned how to handle it, and so the delay that the people caused ultimately formed character in him and brought him to the dream that God had for him. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. Delay. Delay. This woman recognizes right off the bat. She realizes that if I'm going to see this dream either be resurrected or a new dream begin, I've got to go to the right one. And she starts off on the right path, and she takes the dream, the boy, the promise, up to the man of God's bed, because if it dies, you got to go back to where it originated. And she got that part right, and she shuts the door, and now she's got to kick into a new process. Where do I go from here? And she only wants to go to one place, and that's to the man of God that promised to her. And so when she goes to her husband and says, hey, hubby, I need, I need a donkey, and I need, I need a servant. And he's like, Why? Like, what, 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 what are you doing? You should be planning for a funeral. Why are you going to the man of God? It's not that, that time to do that. You, what, what's happening right now? And listen to what she says. She says, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing. Yeah, don't play it off like you don't know the song. Right? She, 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 she looks at us and says, it's all right. Everything's okay. Is everything okay? No. She gets going on the journey. Tells the, the servant, hey, whatever you do, do not stop. Do not delay. We're going somewhere. Right? Other, other donkeys in your lane, get around them. Come on, somebody. We're going. We got a destination. We're going to the man of God. He's the only one that can help us. On the journey prophet, the man of God, sees her coming in the distance, sends Gehazi, Gehazi, go, go find out what's going on. Gehazi goes, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay with you, your husband, your son? What does she say? Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing, yeah, she says, it's all right. It's all good. What, what is she doing? She's showing us that we should not engage in conversations about our circumstances and our problems and our situations with people that can't help us. Which is totally contrary, mind you, of human behavior. Right, if we're gonna be honest this morning, can we be honest in church? Say yes, please. Okay, good, it's a good place to be honest. And we're gonna be completely honest with ourselves. The majority of us, when something happens in our life, and we're, we're, like, we're like walking through a moment of pain or grief or, or something, we are just, we're waiting for someone to ask that question. Everything okay? No, it's not okay. What, really? What's going on? Well, let me tell you about my day. I got up this morning, and there was no creamer for my coffee.
That hit home right there. I was like, yeah. And then, that wasn't bad enough. I got out to the car, and my spouse drove the car last and didn't put any gas in it. Mm-hmm. Well, right? We, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we have no problem spewing our stuff to everybody because we want everybody to know what we're walking through, our problem, our circumstance, our situation. And you know what we want? We want them to join with us and have a pity party. And for some reason, that, that momentarily makes us feel better. But here's the reality. Sharing your stuff with someone that cannot help you does not help you. And we got, we, got, we, got, we got to understand something. She recognized if she was going to slow down and have the conversation, mind you, this is her husband. This is now the man of God's servant. But she recognizes if I'm going to slow down and have these conversations with these people, I'm going to be delayed in the dream. I'm going to be delayed in what God has for my life. And I feel like in my journey, I've experienced three different types of people. I want to share them with you this morning. Three different types of people that we need to learn to navigate so that delay doesn't happen in our life. Are you with me this morning? How many of you guys want to know what those three are? All right, here we go. Three types of people. The first one, number one. And now, let me just preface it. I want you to know something. I'm not saying that people are evil in your life. Okay? So as I mention these things, don't start jotting names down to them. The reality is, if you do, you will have nobody left in your life. <laughs> okay? You got to understand that you are not the only one in a process. You are not the only one going after God. You're not the only one dreaming big dreams. You're not the only one pursuing the God dream. Everyone else is as well. Are you with me this morning? And we need, we need, we need to get past this idea that, that, you know, yeah, everyone's out to get me. No, people are in process. And here's the thing. And here's the thing. These things happen, and these are the types of people. And the thing is, is, is we perceive those people as evil, as horrible, right? It's not what we're saying. Are you with me this morning? But you will have them. you got to learn how to navigate them. And maybe there's a season where you put them to the side because you're going out, you're going in a different direction. doesn't make them evil. Here we go. Number one, doubters. Doubters. These are those people in your life that continually cast a shadow of uncertainty on what you are going after. Doubters. Doubters. Now, we, talk, we tackled one of these obstacles called doubt a little while ago, right, a couple weeks ago. We're tackling a new one today, delay, but delay seems to be caused by people, and one of those people, types of people in your life is doubters. They continually cast that shadow of uncertainty. Am I really doing the right thing? Am I really going the right direction? Is this really the church I should be a, a part of? Should I be a part of the ministry team? Should I go to that small group? And, and, and what are their doubters? Are you with me this morning? And all of us have them in our life. And if we're not careful, what happens is, is we begin to give into what they're saying, we begin to buy into it, and now we begin to live out those doubts and those fears. These people, because uh, I think a lot of times they might be well-meaning people, they come across as if they care, and maybe they really do, but they seem to question everything you do and why you're doing it. Maybe from a completely good place but they question everything you do and, and why you're doing it. Why are you doing it like that? 
Why are we doing this? Why are you doing that? Here's what they are, if I could put it, they're energy drainers. You hang out with them, and you walk away, and you're like, oh, my God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now you're like, oh, I got some names now, yeah. Right? Energy drainers. They cast a shadow of uncertainty and a little bit of doubt. Doubters rob you of the one thing you need the most in this journey, and that is faith. Doubters rob you of faith. I mean, what, what is the opposite of faith? Doubt, fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. I want to power love and a sound mind so we can go on and pursue the things that God has for us. Doubters begin to rob us of the faith we need. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith, they begin to rob us of that. These doubters continually casting uncertainty. Here's the deal we need. Here's what we need to understand is, is if everyone just runs in their own lane, right? Like just, just, we all stay in our lane and go after God, right? We all stay in our lane and encourage one another from our lane. Remember, don't cut me off in my lane. It caused delay. Stay in your lane and we can wave at each other as we pass by. Good luck on your journey. I'm going to get there first. Right? Everybody just doing, if everyone just focuses on Jesus and does our part and keeps faith, man, we go in the right direction. I know I've been using a lot of basketball analogies lately, but um, it's my sport. Come on, how many, I mean, it's March Madness, people. Come on. Any basketball lovers out there? Come on, just lie to me, church. I'm a basketball fan. Any basketball lovers out there? Yeah, woo. All right, good. All right. I love basketball. And, and, and the thing, I love playing basketball. I just don't love playing basketball with people that think they can play but can't really play. You can ask my wife. It's one of the most frustrating things. Like, I want to go out, and I'm playing, and I pass the ball to where you should be. Why aren't you there? That would have been a great basketball move. Why are you standing out there? Go there, right? It's just, it's just frustrating. Nothing frustrating. They're, they're running into you, and it's like, what, we're on the same team. Why are you guarding me right now? We got the same color jersey, right? It's frustrating. But if everybody does their part, something beautiful happens, right? right? Here, here should be our, our job. Our job is not to be the ones that cast uncertainty on other people. Our job as believers, as Christ followers, as a part of the same community, and I don't just mean the community called Canvas Church, I mean the body of Christ, that we're speaking well of one another and we're encouraging one another. Man, the church over there, man, they got their thing. and They're a great group of people. And that church over there, we just continue to speak life. Are you with me this morning? No, we don't like it when people are doubters in our life. Let's make sure we're not doubters in other people's lives. Because remember, everybody has that crazy uncle and crazy aunt. Number two, here's another, another type of people. It's called dismissers, and yes, it's a real word. I looked it up. Plus, my spell chalk on my iPad doesn't catch it, so who cares? Dismissers. What are dismissers? These, are, these, these people are typically close to you, and they know who you are and all your flaws and garbage. You try and share what is happening in your life and, and, and the God dream that you have, and they're like, really? Right? Now, these are people that are typically close to you. 
It could be family members. It could be really close friends. It could be whatever. And they, they know you, and they've seen you in your worst, and they've seen you in your best, and they, they know the garbage that's on your life, and they know that you came home at 3 a.m. last night drunker than drunk, and then you got up this morning, you're like, I'm going to church. They're like, what? You know you got home at 3 a.m. drunk? And you're like, I did. <laughs> you don't remember, you're drunk. And you're going to go to church? What are they? They're dismissers. They dismiss. Now, I just want to say this. If you are getting home at 3 a.m. drunk, the best place you can be is in church. Come as you are. Are you with me? Canvas church, that's our pause. Just come as you are, just with some clothes on. Come on, somebody, right? Right? best place you can be, right? And these people, they watch your process, but they know your garbage, and they're just like, <laughs> we'll see how long this lasts. Just dismissing what God's doing in your life. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, have fun at church. Let me know how it goes, right? I'll, I'll never forget when I first met Katie um, before she was my wife, and um, I met her, and I still remember what she was wearing. Should I tell them what you're wearing? She's like, no. I remember walking in and seeing her for the first time. I thought, wow, 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 she's beautiful. Still is. And we started having feelings for each other. And I, I, she wasn't a believer at the time. And uh, I was. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do about this? Either I've got to renounce Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Right? She's got to become, it's a joke, people, come on. Pastors lost it. I'm just having fun in church, so should you. I thought she's got to come to know Jesus. And so I did what every believer does. Rather than leading them to Jesus, I'm like, you want to go to church with me? So I'll never forget, I called her up, you know, and I'm like, hey, Katie. And she's like, hey. Like, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? And she would tell the story. I didn't know this was happening. She would tell the story that she pulled the phone away from her ear and she looked at a roommate who was a believer, who has known her since she was little. They've known each other all their life. And she goes, Ben's inviting me to church. And her roommate goes, you go to church? Dismiss her. So she put the phone back up to her ear and said, no, I, I, I can't make it. And I'll never forget putting the phone down, just devastated for like six days. <laughs> but there was another Sunday coming. Come on, somebody. And because I am persistent and passionate, and because she hot, I was like, you going to church? I'll pick you up. So that next Saturday, I picked up the phone. I'm like, hey, do you want to? She was like, yes, I'll go. And I'm like, sweet. And then we got married. We have two kids. We've been married for 20 years. Amen. Right? What's the moral of the story? You're going to have dismissers in your life. And if you don't learn how to navigate those dismissers, you will miss out on what God has for you. You'll miss out. People that don't see it the same way, they don't have the same dream, they don't even believe in you because they know. This happens on practical levels. This happens in sports settings, in school settings, on job settings. Because you make one mistake here, they don't think you can achieve something over there. They're just writing you off and dismissing you. It happens in your spiritual growth because people see what you've walked through. And here's the thing. Can I just say this this morning? Some of our, some of our process is more public than others, Right? Yeah, if you're getting home at 3 a.m. drunk, obviously there's a problem. 
And we, we can sit back there and judge all we want. What's wrong with that person? When the reality is, is you've just got your stuff hidden inside and nobody can see it. We're all in process. Don't be a dismisser and know how to navigate these dismissers in your life. The last one is this, is there, there are these people, they're called defectors. Defectors. These are people that are, are with you in the journey momentarily, but leave at some point in your journey. The reason they leave is not the issue, but rather the fact that they left. It leaves you with a void and it leaves you with questions of why. It leaves you looking in the mirror going, what's wrong with me? I mean, they were with me on this journey. We were walking this thing together. Man, they were actually helping me in my process of going after Jesus, and now they're, they're not even here. And if we're not careful, these doubters, these dismissers, and these defectors, here's what happens. All of a sudden, we'll begin to look in the mirror, and we'll begin to say, there must be something wrong with me. I must not be doing something right. And here's what happens. We will take our eyes off Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one that perfects that which is in us. We'll take our eyes off Jesus and get our eyes on ourself and we'll try to fix ourselves to please others rather to keep our attention on Christ and allow his love to perfect us so that we please him. It is a tactic of the enemy. And all of a sudden now we'll be working really hard trying to win back these people, trying to say, hey, why, why did you leave? Come back over here. Or, or these dismissers because they're people that are close to us. And we don't understand why they don't feel the same way we do about what God's doing in our life. And so we'll try to please them, to try to win them back. Or these doubters, these doubters, here's what we'll do with doubters. Oftentimes with doubters, what we'll try to do is we'll try to over-impress and one-up and say, no, we got this. And here's the reality, we don't got it. He's got it. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our focus on him. But if we allow these people, and this woman did not allow herself to be delayed by people in her life, she kept her focus on the man of God, and we need to keep our focus on the man of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus had these people in his life. He had doubters. He had dismissers. He had defectors. Jesus had doubters. John 20, 24 through 29, there's a guy that we now know as Doubting Thomas. Right? The one, the disciple who wasn't able to go to the tomb. Right? And now the disciples come back and they're like, Thomas, he's alive. And Thomas is like, I ain't going to believe it unless I see it with my own eyes. And I can put my fingers in those nail holes and put my hand in this. I ain't going to believe it. And guess who shows up? Jesus. It's an awesome story. He doesn't even open the door. He just walks right through it. He said, hey, Thomas. Come on, stick your fingers there and your hand here. Jesus had doubters in his life. And he makes this statement. You believe me because you see, but blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. Jesus had doubters. Jesus had dismissers in his life. What about Mark 6, 1 through 6, where the Bible says he's in his hometown, He's around his neighborhood friends, the ones he grew up with, the ones he played with as he was maturing in life. And he's there and he begins to preach and he begins to teach from the word of God. And they look around like, who's this guy? I mean, who does he think he is, the son of God or something? <laughs> I mean, listen to him. I mean, isn't his, isn't his mom and dad marrying Joseph? And they begin to dismiss so much so that the Bible says he can't even do a miracle there. Dismissers. 
dismissive. Jesus had dissenters in his life. There's a guy named Judas. Judas, the one that betrayed him with a kiss, the one that walked with him, one of his disciples, one that he had selected, and one that eventually defected with a kiss and betrayed him. Luke 22, 47 through 53. We must understand, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have these people in our life. The key is that we must learn how to navigate them and understand that we can either let it, ourselves give into it and let it affect us or let us push us on towards Jesus Christ and focusing on him. As the band comes, let me just leave with this thought. You getting anything out of this today? So pastor, I got doubters and I got dismissers and I got defectors. How do I handle it? This isn't in your notes because as I was driving here, I realized I didn't give a solution. Obviously, the biggest solution, number one, is just write these down. How do I handle it? Number one, first look to Jesus. First look to Jesus. Look to him. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author and finisher of our journey. You're going to have doubters. You're going to have dismissers. You're going to have defectors. What do I do? Keep my eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher. I got to keep my eyes there. Secondly, what do I do? I got to guard my heart. We've been talking about that through this series. Guard my heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. You got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard my heart from what? You've got to protect yourself from who you're sharing the dream with and who you're allowing to speak into your life. Listen, listen, all of our small groups and everything we do on Sunday morning has these three purposes. We want you to encounter Jesus, know his love, and live his plan. We're here to push you towards Jesus. Open up, trust. It's a good place to guard your heart. Number three, what do I do? I gotta walk in forgiveness. Gotta walk in forgiveness. These people will be in your life. Walk in forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 23 says, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Listen to the verse. If you are having a hard time forgiving others, it's because you've forgotten how much he's forgiven you. Walk in forgiveness. And lastly, we gotta trust. We gotta trust. We, we walked through a dark season a couple years ago and I was having a conversation with my pastor, Pastor Tony Ashmore, who was here not too long ago with us. One of the fathers in the faith, great man of God. And I was just looking at him, I said, Pastor, what do I do? I'm having a hard time with people. He looks at me, he goes, you just gotta trust. I said, I know, but that's the thing I'm having a hard time with. People hurt. You just gotta open up your heart, you gotta trust again. And I thought to myself, because I've heard this statement over and over again, that trust is earned. You ever heard that before? Trust is earned. But I thought to myself in that moment, what if we just flipped that and said trust isn't earned. Trust is, is, is the ground level where we start. And we just trust. And mistrust is earned. What if we just flip that? What if we just say, you know what? We're going to inherently believe that all humanity is flawed, but not all humanity is evil. And we're just going to open up and we're just going to start with this, that we believe the best about all people. And we're just going to trust. And if we just trust, then we allow people to earn our, the mistrust. Are you with me this morning? 
What would happen, church, if we just said, we're going to run in our lane. We're going to go after Jesus with all that we have. We understand that we're flawed. Other people are flawed as well. And we're going to give each other permission to make mistakes. But we're going to start from this ground level of, you know what? We're going to believe the best about everybody. And we're going to trust. And if in the journey someone earns our mistrust, we can cross that bridge. But what if we just started right there? And we trusted one another. And we went after Jesus. And we did this for the glory of God. And when we come across doubters, dismissers, and defectors, we can navigate that and continue to lay hold of what Christ Jesus has laid hold of us. Are you with me this morning? Come on, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is rich with wisdom. God, we thank you that your word is rich with wisdom. And God, we just say yes and amen to the wisdom of your word this morning. God, let us learn from the Shunammite woman. Let us not get caught up, Lord God, in meaningless conversations. Let us not get caught up, Lord God, in in just venting our feelings and venting our thoughts. But let us go after you, the one that can hear our problems and fix our problems. Let us go after you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let us learn how to navigate the seasons of our life and the people of our life so that we can walk in the fulfillment of the dreams that you have for us. God, we love you and we thank you. Can you just stand to your feet this morning as we bring this to a close? If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, I'm going to be up here for a few moments and I would love to pray for you, pray with you, no matter what you're walking through in your life. Maybe it's something we talked about this morning. Uh, Maybe it's a health issue. Whatever it is, we're here for you. We believe in the power of prayer and we'd love the opportunity to pray with you. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week. We'll see you next week as we begin to wrap this series up. We can head into another great season as Canvas Church. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.